Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Together, we got through Dean Smith facilitating Ross Berkeley's weekly one-man wet t-shirt competition. We can get through this. Like, <laughs> Steve and Jared was being blackmailed by Leon Bailey for the last two months. We can get through this. Having Philip Coutinho in our team isn't the same thing. We can get through Philip Coutinho starting games ahead of Emmy Bundia. We don't need to create a culture war in this. This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. And Sometimes you don't really know what to say, do you? You literally don't know what to say. I don't know how to feel about this podcast. Like, I've been afraid to press record because I'm not sure how to start it, really. Um, I think I'm lar- not largely happy. I think I enjoyed myself tonight watching that match for the most part. I do think I'm too comfortable going into games where I'm expecting to lose because it's like, well, at least I know we're going to lose, which isn't an ideal place to be either, obviously. But um, yeah, there were moments in that game where Coutinho was... Flicking the ball over people's heads or nutmegging gods in the back, or you know, we were we were creating chances and we we're passing the ball around. And Dougie was off the leash, and there were fun moments. The first thirty minutes, Villa came out like a house on fire. I think, I think the first fifteen of stat flashed up, and they had already four four shots. They had a couple of corners. They had most of the ball. It was seven touches in the opposition box. It was real intent. It was fun it was fun watching it and i can get on board with this yes it's another defeat to another team better than us and we were just talking about it last night that's right <laughs> we're here again two nights in a row for all the grief we're getting turns out we don't have weddings to attend on a tuesday night <laughs> <laughs> tuesday night is really our sweet spot for recording um but yeah i don't know can you help me sum it up i think i'm happy disappointed with the result and actually it reminds me of one of those earlier days under gerard where we were playing better teams and actually playing really well considering what had gone on for the couple of months before. But every time he was being undone by a mistake at the back, you know, just something avoidable. And tonight again, I think there were mistakes and I think there were chances, which must be frustrating for a manager. Yeah, I mean, if Tuesday night's our sweet spot, then 
that's going to work out pretty well because based on tonight, we're going to be in the Champions League pretty fucking soon. <laughs> An absolutely breathless first half, and we were brilliant. We were careering out of control at times, but just about staying on the tracks. Like roller coasters are exciting enough. You probably don't, you probably don't need the car to be rocking on the rails as well as that. But it's better <laughs> than the fucking carousel ride that Spurs took us on last week. And like, it's pretty frustrating to lose a game where you played so well, and, and yes. That will have to stop eventually. But I'll take a 2-1 defeat against the best team in the world playing like that. Like I'll take a ride on a rickety, rusty roller coaster and come out battered and bruised rather than getting a draw from sitting on a fucking rotating unicorn. And when I text you last week to say, imagine if Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa held City on the last day of the season to win the title for Liverpool, and you replied with, are you on ecstasy? I know... <laughs> I know you weren't actually asking me if I was taking Class A drugs on my own in the middle of a Wednesday afternoon in work. I know you were just using a cheap rhetorical trick to get a laugh, which you got, by the way. But who's on fucking ecstasy now, I think we can take that bald fraud. Just just send me my LOL next time. I felt like I didn't get enough feedback from, from what was obviously an amazing joke. Um yeah, yeah, like you know, I'm, I'm more excited going in against the bald fraud because obviously he's finished. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, the team don't want to know. And what, what I do like as well is that Gerard was t- he was asked afterwards about the title challenge, and you know, maybe it's an easy win for him, but he didn't he didn't get into it. He, he spoke about Villa have three games left, and they're doing everything they can to win them all, which is all I want. And they, I like that they have a target. He wants to get top ten. I just heard that Villa haven't been top 10 in 11 years like you know so Jeez. it's good that we're focusing on that it reminds me a bit of Louis van Gaal when when Rooney came and said we should go for second and van Gaal said yes we go for it <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should just play the audio here actually of that post-season speech that van Gaal gave to United and I said yes <laughs> we go Yeah, so uh, Louis and flying form there. And that's exactly how I'm feeling about these three games now. Bring them on. But the first goal, so we came out just flying. Uh, it's a cross. And now, like, yeah, obviously, Watkins was offside. It's a long ball, that, that classic combination, the much derided combination that is bearing fruit now a lot of the time. Watkins, or sorry, uh, Mings to Watkins. Watkins is a, is a fraction offside, so if he did score, should have scored. It's a Rosenthal award nomination. Um, it, it would have been rolled out offside. New phase of play because the keeper bats it away. Cash plays in a cross, and Danny Ings has to tidy it up, and I think he does well. He stretches to tidy it up. It's a lovely drop of the shoulder from McGinn at the edge of the box to sort of do Trent and find uh, Luca Dina out in the left. Cross in, big Douglas Louise gets up with a header. Gets it down, which is all you want to get it down, and a parries out to him, and he puts it away, and he fucking loved it. <laughs> yeah, Ollie Watkins is offside comfortably. It's a really bad miss from the assistant ref, but I think there's two new phases of play after that as well. It's shit for from a Liverpool perspective, brilliant from ours that that they missed it, but that causes such confusion. I think Van Dijk ends up following Ollie Watkins across initially, and he stays over on that side, and Matip doesn't react they, they both let Watkins drift across to the back post and Simicast is fucked now because it's two on one 
Matip is tracking back, so he's no help to him. And the two big lads are at the back post. It's not even a particularly good ball from Dinya, but he knows if you just float one into the back post, put it up for the big man, Douglas Louise. He'll want any sort of cross you put in there. And actually, what's more surprising is that Douglas Louise bounds back up and actually gets there first as well for essentially a tackle. Incredible stuff. Yeah, yeah. He will he will make a good tackle when he's two yards out from the opposition goal. Like that, that's, that, that's one thing. We just need to keep working that back now two yards at a time just to just incentivize him differently. Look look how good it would be to tackle four yards out from the opposition goal. And you know, somewhere along the way we might get him putting in tackles in midfield, but like that's a that's a long way away from two yards out. Uh, a lot, a lot of treats to get him all the way back to the halfway line as well. <laughs> It flashed a club, and he had the biggest what the fuck face I've ever seen. Just like you could put make an emoji out of it because he was obviously wondering about the the Watkins goal. But it was only a few minutes later, or the Watkins offside. It was only a few minutes later that Liverpool were back level, cross in. It's an unbelievable first touch from Tyrone Mings. He's probably never trapped a ball as cleanly in his life. <laughs> Not the time to do it, especially when you're going to trip over that ball that you've just trapped. And initially, I was thinking, what the fuck is Nakamba doing? Looks like he was coming in to finish off the job. I'm going to clean everybody out here, including Mings. And I'm going to hit the ball off his arse and go up into the air. But he's got a man coming in on him. He's got Mings lying in front of the ball. He's trying to get through it and hits off Mings, bobbles up into the air. And uh, yeah, eventually comes back across and it's put in by Matip. Yeah, I think it's an absolute mess. And and also Villa get quite unlucky in it a couple of times. And like after yeah, after trying to start an orgy at the edge of the box, Nakamba actually does well to get the block in. <laughs> Particularly because Mings has chosen an absolutely bizarre moment to do some inclined push-ups using the fucking instability of the ball to get a core workout in as well. Like I, I appreciate the effort to sculpt the body term. This isn't the fucking time. And it pops up. Jota gets there first because Matt Cash and Ezri Kanza are afraid of the fucking ball. I mean, Kanza was yeah. one step up the coward ladder from jumping up in a chair and pulling up his trousers legs because a mouse has scuttled across the other <laughs> side of the room. It's fucking <laughs> pathetic. It's a brilliant save then from Emmy, and that's the second piece of bad luck then when the ball just falls to Inspector Gadget and he throws out his extendable leg. <laughs> yeah, you're right to point out the Kanza thing as well. It's a... Uh... It wasn't good. He jumped. I feel like if he had stayed in the ground and, and, and didn't cower away from that mouse <laughs> scampering. Like, a mouse is more afraid of you. You remember that. <laughs> um, and then we got an offside call then as well. And you know, Mings is playing the conga. He does it sometimes. Like, he just thinks we're all just getting involved in some sort of dancing. If, if, if the camera was starting an orgy, Mings was just going back a bit earlier in the night just to start, start off the feeling in the club, just hands around the waist and he just follows the players out away from the ball and he's turned and thankfully Diaz is offside but uh, another avoidable moment thankfully that didn't punish us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was, again, just terrible shambolic defending but it, it, was, it was so hectic in that first half that it was understandable why teams were making so many mistakes. Liverpool had changed a lot of their team as well obviously and that that created that helped create the how hectic it was because i think you know if they had it as tatiaco and henderson starting it wouldn't have been quite as mad a first half yeah the the winner um see this is the thing now like there's no taking away from what a lovely finish it was from manny and if you're a liverpool fan you're watching that thinking great goal that's how you win a game let's go home um if you're a villa fan you're looking at Chuck Wemmicka selling Douglas Louise short. Not that short, though. 
not that short at all. Douglas Ruiz just not really bothered. Like, you know, just not arsed really to get through the ball. And he just comes at it very half-heartedly. He just tries to scoop it. He's, he lacks so much conviction in that position. We're going to talk about it later on. But something happens when you put him into defensive midfield. Even though he's still playing the same game, he's still in the same vicinity. And sometimes you're still on the ball. And he just... His passing becomes weird and stuff then when he goes in there. And we know his passing can be good like it was. And this was more of a decision. Like when he has to put out a fire, I, f- I feel like sometimes he just likes to see what else is in the presses before he decides to actually deal with the fire. <laughs> and this was a bad example. And I, like Liverpool closes down his, whatever you called it, I wouldn't call it a clearance. Mings is, is taking up position 15 yards behind the line, obviously. Uh, did the same against Burnley. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody's onside and then neither neither Kanza or Lucadinha pick up Manny and this was really annoying because they're both they are both so worried about the cross but I'm wondering why are they that worried because they are like they're they're alert they're ready but why are they worried if if they're if they're not worried about who the ball is being crossed into like they, they're all looking at Luis Diaz saying oh fuck oh fuck he's going to cross his ball in and not like they just leave Manny in between the two of them. He doesn't really have to move or twist or turn. He, he just stands there. Look at Dina, stands off him. Kanza lets him drift in behind him, pointing at him all the while, obviously. And yeah, it's a lovely finish as well. Yeah, initially I, I thought it was it was hard to know how to feel about it. I mean, it was it was so lethal. It was over so quickly. I mean, as soon as they turned that ball over, and it was actually Manny that turned it over as well. So he wasn't hard to miss in the move either. He's the one that fucking started it. He wins the ball back and then he comes sprinting straight into our box at fucking 100 miles an hour. Mark that guy. He's the only one there. You, you couldn't possibly have missed him, lads. Fucking wake up. Yeah. And you're right where he's focusing on the cross. Look at the man as well. You have to know where he is. And the two of them have just split, especially Dean. You're like, what the fuck are you doing? Just watching this develop. There's someone coming around the back post as well, but the ball's never going there. It's grand. If it goes there, fucking congratulations to Liverpool on an even better goal than the one they actually got. <laughs> but there was a lot of underhit passes in that, in that period of the game as well from Villa. It just got far too dogged. It was like they had just run out of legs completely at that stage and everything was underhit and the players that was being underhit to couldn't fucking react. And we got punished by one of them. It could have been a lot more. Yeah. We did react. We did have the ball in the net. And of course, Danny Ings was offside when he finally decides to produce a lethal finish. I was like, of course, he was fucking offside. It's a it's a great turn from Wendia. Just breaks in from midfield because of one turn. Drive forward, lovely ball over the top. I think Ings actually does well this time. And um, of course he does well because he absolutely fucking leathers it into the bottom left corner. But he's offside. Yeah, the, the finish is absolutely incredible. The finish is made all the more incredible because it's followed by your wrong con and an absolutely dreadful touch that takes him far too close to the byline. And that just makes the finish incredible. I nearly threw my laptop off my knees because I didn't realise he was offside, even though he was offside by about six yards. But the touch is so bad and he spanks it in. My re- actual lifetime reaction was, Offer for Woo! <laughs> Like remember El Ghazi against Crystal Palace last year. <laughs> Why are you shooting? Oh my fucking god! Um, yeah, do you know what? I'm actually thinking about the. We'll talk about it in the Rossenthal Award. A lot of Danny Ings, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> Matt Cash played on the ball and it was a lovely first touch, and uh, he takes it 
full speed, like he sort of played a bit behind him. He drags it in front of himself. Then he gets his body over the ball and gets it back and has a shot. Um, that's sort of what I was thinking and associating with that goal, but it wasn't the same build-up. You're right on this occasion. I'll give you this one. <laughs> um, and apart from that, yeah, we're going to leave it there and move into WhatsApp winches. See you there. Stefan Driscoll wants a week wages for players allowing opposition players to take the ball down from goal kicks. And I have to say, it's very annoying. I don't think I appreciated it enough until he fucking pointed it out. So thanks for that, mate. Um, and then, <laughs> of course, later on, then I just see Manny picking one from the sky on his right foot. Great, great control from these Liverpool players. They're not Aston Villa players, though. The Aston Villa players are standing behind him. Matt Catch is standing behind Manny, giving him a support cushion as he backs up against him to control this ball even better. And, and away he goes. It's just, you know, come on. Like we talk about we talk about second balls in English football. What about the fucking first balls? Like, you know, get in there. <laughs> Don't let him have it. Yeah, I actually think there this is one of the things that's a, a problem with um, Emmy Martinez as well. Obviously I love Emmy Martinez and his distribution is quite good, but he doesn't have enough zip on the pass normally for somebody to be able to control. It's always hanging there too much. As Watkins just waits mournfully, waiting for the ball to drop out of the sky with four men around. <laughs> I hate watching good teams play. It just reminds you of everything you don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, so first WhatsApp winch. There's a title race on, and John Moss is not getting in the way of it. <laughs> this boy, this boy hates Douglas Louise to start off with. He fucking hates Douglas Louise. Douglas Louise gets stamped on by Manny. And uh, he gave the free kick because Douglas Luiz just grabbed the ball. <laughs> Initially, I was like, oh, good to see that punish for once. And you know, when a player grabs the ball. But then I saw the replay. I was like, holy fuck. Like, why, is that? why is he being punished there? Uh, Simicast just chops him down as well. Like, play on. Unbelievable. Just came right across his shins and uh, j- just has him down to the ground. And it was play on. Nakamba put on a brilliant tackle. Free kick. Coutinho got thrown to the ground by Trent and Villa. on a bit of a break. Didn't see it. Like the Sky commentators were saying, in fairness, he didn't see it. Well, why would that be a case for a referee? Might <laughs> <laughs> not be an excuse for a referee. He didn't see it. Like that's your job to see things, yeah. and that's where the action was happening. Um, but it was just taking that long to run around somebody. We spoke before. Uh, we don't need to get into the game, but we did talk before about his physical condition. <laughs> you know, and this is a Premier League referee again. Like that's that that's the thing. Like this is a top level of sport. Um, and I just go back to the time Dean Smith got sent off for asking him did he get juggling balls for Christmas <laughs> <laughs> under the radar never forget that moment Dean Smith produced one of the best in the Premier League history <laughs> yeah I, like you'd be as well asking a Labrador to have a bash at conflict resolution in the Middle East as this lad referee a game of football at any level like it's just gonna wander around making a fucking mess of things and then shit itself in public like John Moss does every Saturday. <laughs> it's a fucking disgrace. You're calling so many things wrong, missing big fouls, and pulling pulling fouls up for breathing on someone's neck. He just could, he couldn't get the balance right. Hmm. He's afraid of making calls, afraid of Jurgen Klopp. He was hiding. I would say he was running away from his responsibilities, but he's too fucking lazy to run. And like that one you're talking about where Trent tries to get a piggyback from Coutinho. Moss is there, head on a fucking swivel, hasn't a fucking breeze where the ball is. Like he probably didn't know where he was, to be fair. It was a high tempo first half, but like you'd swear 
he'd never been on a football pitch before in his life. Like, like someone just awkwardly getting in the way, really apologetic. Oh, sorry, shit. Is that am I? Am I supposed to be? What's going on? A like, useless bastard. It's unbelievable that he's paid. <laughs> uh, Villa vibes said, "Do we believe that there's a a top six bias, or is it just a bottom fourteen shit housing per referees, and they don't like us anymore?" <laughs> <laughs> which either well, way is a top six bias <laughs> <laughs> well yeah I mean I, I don't think we help I, I don't think Douglas Louise helped us anyway I mean the, the first thing to say is Douglas Louise is undoubtedly fouled I mean it's a terrible decision for a terrible ref but you can't just grab the ball <laughs> <laughs> do you ever play fetch with a dog that doesn't know what the rules are it's just looking back at you with its big stupid face balled determinedly between its teeth that's our doggy. He just does, he's not playing the same game as anybody else. Grabbing the football, fucking wise up. What are you talking about? The one, the one that more terrible refereeing, but also it's all fed into the same thing. Then from and it's a major problem in football and a major problem of analysis that we return to time and time again. Carragher, before seeing the replay, has committed to calling Konza an idiot, and he's dying on that hill because he sees the replay. He knows it's a dive. He even says, even if you don't think there's enough in the shove to make him go over or something like that. If there's not enough there, Jamie, it's a dive. That's what a dive is. Mm. Falling to the ground of your own volition to con the ref. And boy, oh boy, does fucking John Moss lap that up and immediately gives it to the Liverpool player, probably because it's a Liverpool player in the corner. But Carragher's committed to the yeah. cons as a full like, narrative. It's not like, what? Go on. It's not lost on me that 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 Moss, like sorry that Liverpool got a goal tonight, you know, because of an offside. It was nothing to do with Moss. Moss is, was so caught up in this. I feel I feel like every time this momentum was coming down the pitch, that, that that's the perfect example on Jota. Like that's not given tonight in the other direction. There was one where he he played on. This isn't this isn't a bias. It was just bad decision making. You give Villa advantage when they're under so much pressure. Villa do not want advantage under pressure in any circumstance, never mind against Liverpool. And they obviously lost the ball and conceded a chance. It was like, give us the fucking free in their half and just these bad decisions throughout the match. Yeah, and, and maybe people like Kanza and Watkins should have known what ref they were playing against and just kept going, you know, avoid complaining, just keep going, get your head down, keep playing. Maybe that's what maybe that's what the tweet was getting at. You know <laughs> I mean there's there's bigger issues here. Like people People diving or naivety from a centre half and not expecting someone to dive. Like, which one should somebody with a platform be hammering? And like I've said a million times, we all have to take part in this. Every dive is someone cheating. When someone dives, we all have to call them a cunt. It doesn't matter who you play for. When someone dives, we call the guy who gets punished an idiot. We call the ref. We don't call the guy who gets punished an idiot. We call the referee the idiot. And we call the diver a cheat and Jonathan Moss was just that, that that really fucking pissed me off to be caught out so easily by that Konza touches Jota and he falls over how many times have re- referees must watch football games as well yeah. they know footballers are doing this in the corner it's fucking pathetic that they get caught out by it and like this is it like we're not we don't have a bias on this podcast because we were just last night we recorded a podcast last night by the way Villa won there was loads of great stuff to talk about go listen to that one if you want to uh, enjoy your listen a bit more but just then we were talking about Ezra Khan's diving and just now I'm going to bring it back in again um, Barry Robertson p- puts it perfectly he said when did Ezra Khan's become a wimp 
And again, like I've said it last night, but I don't know how many times I can keep saying this. I don't like saying it. I don't like saying it at all. I fucking love Kanza. But like I said, against Burnley, just just be that person. Be that person we know you are. And that one where he, he dives before the the Jota dive, he dives in the corner, held his face, fell to the ground, screamed everybody in Villa Park, heard him. And then he bounced up and ran back into the box. Uh, come on. Stop it. Yeah, and he, whenever he does get clipped as well, he's far too willing to go down. I mean... It's on. It's unbelievably risky as well as just fucking cheating and being a scumbag because the ref mightn't give it. The ref mightn't have seen that you've been clipped there as well. So just stay in your fucking feet and play the game out. Trying to get people sitting. Let's just all play by the rules and let the ref decide. And the other fucking ref who's watching replays if somebody has cheated, it's pathetic. Yeah. Well, John Moss wasn't going to see it anyway as well. Like that's the thing. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. He wasn't going to see it. Um, last WhatsApp one. What about Gerard copying Klopp's run down at halftime? <laughs> <laughs> Be your own person, man. Come on. <laughs> See, you're in Klopp running and he goes running in as well. What do you think of that? Don't like it? Or WhatsApp me doesn't like it? <laughs> See, like you're you're assuming there that you know going into a changing room is Gerard doing is copying Klopp. He has to go in there as well. <laughs> it's half time. He just happens to want to get in there quickly as well, the same way Klopp does. Sometimes. But why is Klopp beating him in there then? Klopp's fucking six foot four. He's got a bigger stride. <laughs> he's used to this as well. He's run down that touchline before. Gerard's never run down it before. Klopp knows he's footing. Gerard has rarely run in a pair of shoes. Klopp does it every fucking week. Well, this is the other thing. Like, you know, if Gerard is going to start bringing this into his managerial game, like this this trait of running down the touchline, does he not need better gear? Do we need to talk about fashion for managers? <laughs> Let's move on to the fucking award category. <laughs> I've been letting you down, down. You think what? you think Harry Maguire's a bigger loss than Harry Kane? Yeah, I do. You lose Harry Maguire. That's a big problem for Gareth Southgate. His biggest problem? Yeah, I think it's his biggest problem. The situation got out of hand. I hope you understand. Are you mental? This is analysis that you have to pay to get. <laughs> That's bollocks on so many levels because, like, number one is Harry Maguire. Oh, God, I cannot believe that Harry Maguire has played six games this season and he's made the same mistake five times. Number two, the drop-off from Harry Maguire to Tyrone Mings is not what Gary fucking Neville thinks it is. And I remember we were saying, Harry McRae. Gary Neville, for some reason, has disappeared up Gareth Southgate's arse. I think we've got the best manager we could possibly have for an international team. I just don't know why Gary Neville is persistent in trying to talk him into Franz Beckenberg. He's a fucking siren calling England the shipwreck. Harry Maguire injured, I think the ability to go to a back four is lost. 
was by far the worst player on the pitch. He's uh, really shit. <laughs> Imagine Harry Maguire was missing. Harry Maguire! But it's absolutely unbelievable how whenever you play a ball to a fridge, you end up conceding the chance. Most blocks, most interceptions, most headers, most tackles. For Man United, he <laughs> had more blocks than Lindelof. Harry Maguire! Harry Maguire. He just cannot get the ball out of his feet. And I know he cost 80 million, so it must be difficult for people to, to make the link that he's actually shit, but just make that link. Harry Maguire. 50% of Gareth Southgate's preferred team started the Champions League final three weeks ago. We've collected more trophies in England than Harry Maguire has convictions in Greece. Harry Maguire! You would pick a team with Maguire and Calvert Lewin rather than Mings and Harry fucking Kane. Uh, uh, apologies to the fans. There's no emotion behind it. England's most important player is Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire! <laughs> that is just insane stuff. Grow up, Gary Neville. Alright, we're going to start with the Rosenthal Award. A lot to get through. Jais Ellison wants Matt Cash fined a week's wages for continually shooting at the near post and usually missing. Well, at least the last time he got it on target, but this week blazes it high and wide. There's always people inside pretty frustrated at him when it happens as well. Um, I don't know if we need to be fining him a week's wages because he probably never get paid if he does. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like it's um that one tonight was absolutely it was a joke. It was a terrible, terrible decision. There's loads of people inside. There's also loads of people between him and the nets. It's on the volley, it's way above his knee when he's trying to connect with it. Like last week, whenever I was saying, Yeah, go for it, that's because he just lined up a shit Burnley left back and got past him and had a spank from about twelve yards out. This was the corner of the box against Allison on a volley that's too high to hit anyway. Grow up. Like <laughs> he's be, be hitting that. Give me your weak wages. <laughs> uh, first um, first nomination is like well it would have been offside but Watkins' turn inside after Mings over the top should have scored that then there was a a cash ball across like Douglas Louise played him a lovely little dink down the right hand side and uh, Cash gets in he, <laughs> he plays one of those balls where he just absolutely hammers it across and they say what a great ball there's nobody in there apart from two Liverpool centre halves um, <laughs> but they failed to clear properly and it comes out to Ings, and he just half volleys it miles over the bar. <laughs> yes, he does. Boys, he loves that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the really surprising thing is that of the two centre-forwards that we have, neither of them get into the six-yard box, and both of them are running towards there, so I have a little bit more sympathy than Cash. Cash looks up, and he probably thinks they're both going to burst along to get across the six-yard box, and that's where the space is, and they don't. So maybe he shouldn't play it, but I think it's just more justifiable than the normal commentator bullshit and it's a brilliant piece of play from cash and dougie as well to work the space initially particularly the pass from dougie inside between Simicast and i think it's van dyke it's a gorgeous bit of football from him the ings volley is an ings volley <laughs> what do you think was worse um manny's header over or 
Ings is header over. Lovely ball from McGinn. Gorgeous ball from McGinn. And uh, from the left-hand side, straight on to Ings' head. He heads it straight over. <laughs> but the Manny one, what about Tyrone Mings getting beat in the air? Just a big one-on-one contest ball in there. Like, no special movement, not caught out. Just two boys going up for the ball, and Manny beats him. Yeah, like that. <laughs> that obviously shouldn't be happening because Toronto Mings is seven foot two, but Manny <laughs> is brilliant in the air. So, uh, yeah, no, it shouldn't be happening. <laughs> the height difference is far too far too great. The Ings one is comfortably worse. It's it's a great ball in and such a bad miss. Like Allison has gone trying to trying to clear the bad energy from above Watkins' head or something. I don't, he didn't like the look of his aura or something. I'm not <laughs> sure what he was doing. He wasn't playing in goals for Liverpool, though, and Ings fucking has to score that. It's an absolute sitter. Uh, it, was, it was worse, yeah, when you saw the replay. It was just, it was right there. There was nobody ever going to come and block it. Like, you know, as you say, Alisson <laughs> was disappearing somewhere, and he just basically heads the ball over an empty net uh, for no reason as well. But there's going to be more Danny Ings nominations, so just, uh, just hold fire a second. <laughs> Philip Coutinho lovely bit of trickery over the head of Trent takes him out of the game 1-2 of Lucadinha blasted over it was never coming down but it was it was great stuff um, and then Keita from a Trent ball it's, it's, it's just this like, <laughs> Trent drills it in like this was terrible Trent drills it into Naby Keita I, I was sort of thinking Villa missed a lot of chances now I can see why Liverpool won the XG as well not by much by the way but um <laughs> Geez, this one was bad. Like it's like he performed a magic trick in the box to make the ball disappear, but he doesn't understand how it happened. Like he can't. <laughs> you don't ask him to reveal his tricks. Just the ball gets like it gets lost underneath his legs. He completely misses it with his right foot. That's absolutely dreadful. It's a brilliant from Trent as well, and someone I love watching. I was delighted. I hadn't seen him up until that point. He got a lot more involved after that. He realized I'm gonna have to fucking do something here if this is what these lads are up to. It's a. Uh, <laughs> The continue on, it's an incredible piece of play from continue and it's a nice one too with Dean. But there's two man overload at the back post, and continue should see that. I want them to whip that ball into the top corner just as much as he does. He's not going to fucking do it though, apparently, in an Aston Villa shirt. So see the back post where we've got two players free. Simicas had a good block on Watkins. Watkins just didn't get it away quick enough, and there was one another lovely piece of play from continue who. You know, gets lovely touch to take him away from a from a Douglas Louise ball. He was so prevalent in that match. Gets a nutmeg on Virgil Van Dijk, and he just it doesn't have the pace to get away. Um, like Mata very cleverly stays on walking, so the pass isn't there, and he knows Van Dijk is just going to stride back, eat up the yards, and and get back in front of him. And Coutinho tries to to go around him. That obviously doesn't work. It, this boy has everything but the pace, doesn't he? Yeah, but like this is the other thing. He knows he doesn't have the pace either, and he also knows how good Van Dyke is one on one. You're not going to beat him twice in the yeah. one move. You've really not made them in the halfway line, so you know you have to end this move as quickly yeah. as possible. And you're right, Matip does brilliantly. That pass is never on. Coutinho has to have a shot. Like sometimes you just have to, you just have to accept. I have to have a shot here. Yeah. I've got nothing else on. This is the best chance to score in this move now. Like it might not be as much as I wanted it to be, but this is the best chance we will have now in this move. Like he also he should have had the shot initially before Van Dyke gets back. He actually did get it onto his left foot. He should have shot then. And he tried to fake going back onto his right. And then he just left the ball and Van Dyke took it. <laughs> you know, but he had a half second when he got it onto his left that he could have tried to obviously again it's it's low risk, but it, it was a it was it was a better percentage than what he did in the end, which was nothing. 
Yeah, and I'd say his head is scrambled. When your head is scrambled, the last thing you need to do is continue to think. (laughs) End the thinking patterns in your head and get the ball out of your fucking feet. And not one to learn from what he's just seen. Danny cut back Ings, (laughs) reveals himself again. John McGinn plays him through. Uh, you know, right through. Like you think this is the best chance, and he's going to get a bigger one. <laughs> and uh, Danny cut back Ings, cuts back, and Van Dyke takes it off him. Like that, Van Dyke. Van Dyke doesn't even stop. He, yeah. he doesn't stop. He doesn't check his run. He just takes it off him on his way to block where Danny Ings should be shooting from, and he just nicks the ball away from him and carries on again with the ball. Yeah, Danny Ings manages the trick of having the ball but getting skinned somehow. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> and um, ah, like what, what, what has to be the winner really? There, there's another one like um, that. That one I said about Cash playing Danny Ings the ball. Ings is a great first touch. He gets his body over the ball. He bring it back, <laughs> cut back, and he gets the shot away this time. Allison knocks it away, and Chuck Wemmick is waiting there to try and put it in, but as uh, it's it's, it's parried away with enough power, it doesn't fall to Chuck Wemmick. But the biggest one is is Watkins playing Ings right through, right through he's got so much time and somehow it never even looks like he's going to get the ball under control there's nobody near him and all he does is just bundle his way into the keeper he just gradually falls over getting less and less control of the ball under no pressure just once more get it out of your feet and score like he's completely panicked and showed no composure really it was a bad bad miss and more annoying because he, he rifles in that offside finish later on. <laughs> yeah, it's good to see that Danny Ings is back to helping Granny cross the street instead of brutally murdering him. Like he needs to get back there if he wants to have a future at this football club. You know? Like imagine bundling your way through the air. Like what? Who was he fighting with there? Just fucking stand up straight, run in a straight line <laughs> yeah. towards the Liverpool goals. He's struggling through fucking oxygen and nitrogen. What are you doing, mate? <laughs> Just run properly, like yeah. There's not, there's nothing causing you to fall over. It's so strange. Running through a bowl of custard, it was incredible stuff. And yeah, Allison does well. He times it well to come out. But like it's, it's not. They shouldn't have that ability to do that. Danny Ings should just be getting the ball on his right foot and whipping it past him. It's unbelievable. Like Danny Ings seems surprised that a goalkeeper has come out, and the reason he seems surprised as well is because he runs like a fucking idiot. Head down, looking at the groin, looking at his knees and are nearly kneeing him in the face. Stand yeah. up straight so you can see what's happening on the pitch. Yeah. A lot of nominations there. Like, I think the Ings header is a big miss. The, the Kate, I think, has to come into the conversation. Could be the biggest. I think the last Ings one we're just talking about there is the worst just because he has all the time in the world. He's a centre-forward going through one-on-one with a bit of an angle and he doesn't. He, just, he falls into the keeper instead of doing anything. I think that has to be the worst, right? No, come on, Kate. Kate misses the ball in the penalty spot. What is nobody near him either? Tyrone Mings has gone back onto the line like he fucking loves. Don't know where Kanza is. And Kate pulls a fucking rabbit out of a hat. He didn't even know he had a hat in his hand. It was unbelievable. <laughs> but Danny Ings can't, he fails to run. Danny Ings fails to run. <laughs> Yeah, one man fails to connect with a ball, one man fails to stay upright under no pressure. <laughs> yeah, we'll call it a tie. The Peter Eichelman What the Fuck Award, we mentioned Kanza's scream and dive. 
Matt Cash loved the little touchback of his chest to Diaz to, to set Liverpool <laughs> back on the way after Villa turn it over and it leads to the Jota chance. And um, then the Allison clearance as well, like just came at Watkins too fast. But uh, by God, that's the sort of thing that would have people tweeting Palace and Pecker. He needs to be careful. <laughs> that's the last thing he needs in his life. Next thing you know, we'll have a bald, fat Allison doing the rounds. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was really, really strange decision from him. I don't know, was he expecting Watkins to bend his run to block his right foot or something? But he hasn't. He hasn't gone that way, Alison. Again, lift your head up, look around the pitch. Watkins is standing between you and the player trying to pass it. It's probably going to end up at Watkins' feet. The Nakamba incident, great interception, amazing footwork. Great assist for Curtis Jones. You know, this boy, this boy cuts the ball out, works his way out of the box, and then just sets up Curtis Jones to have a shot around the post. Yeah, it was really, it was really bad. And that was when it started. That's when the trend started. Everyone thought, well, if Nakamba's doing it, the fan favourite, marvellous Nakamba's just passing the ball to Liverpool players at the age of our box or in our half. Let's the rest of us just do it as well. And it just proceeded a, a 20 minute shit show of Aston Villa passing the ball to Liverpool players in their own half. It was, yeah. it was dreadful. That was that was really bad. And luckily, Curtis Jones does a shit job of trying to bend it around, throw mings, and it's easy enough for Martinez. Yeah. Two, two more nominations, sort of on the same theme, really. Like Martinez, towards the end, tries to pass it out to Cash, just doesn't do it, completely overhits it and plays it to a Liverpool player. And yeah. then Konza, when he's just supposed all he has to do is lump it at this stage, 94 minutes gone, just get it up there. And Cash is right beside him. It's not even five meters. He's too close to him. He passes it to him. He's also a Liverpool player closer to him. But he passes it to him anyway. So it's a waste of time by passing it to him instead of lumping it. And it's also... <laughs> he's not going to be able to lump it as well as you because he's under more pressure. Just Yeah, there was just bad decisions being made in those last 15 minutes. Yeah, and like, you know... Even though there was that little kerfuffle you could you, on the wing between Mings and Katie, you couldn't trust Jonathan Moss was going to add on. You couldn't trust Jonathan Moss to do anything. So, you know, we had to just get the ball up long. There's no point. In, as, as if rolling at five yards to your right back is going to give you a better angle. You're both fucking 80 yards from the Liverpool goal. <laughs> one of you's just lump it up. <laughs> what are we dicking around here for? And then I think the next one, then Kanza has it again and he gives it to Mings. That's when the whistle gets blown. I was like, what the fuck have we just done here, lads? Yeah. This is pointless and pathetic. But it was largely a good performance. So we'll talk about the Tim Sherwood. We played two number 10s and bamboozled them award. Gerard said afterwards they looked worse when the camera came off. He had to come off. He only had 60 minutes in his legs. And he's right, they, they did look worse. He was, he was a great introduction to see him back. Louise and McGinn were better in the number eight spots and, and having a more of an enforcer behind him interestingly on one of the nominations is that he swapped Louise and McGinn so McGinn was on the left and Louise is on the right and I think it worked it worked really well and it gave Villa a bit more width as well at times give him a bit more potency just gave him a left footer on the left and a right footer on the right and uh yeah like that like that midfield room was was pretty good I thought for most of the game only undone by by John Moss in the Liverpool engine room. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that engine wouldn't have many miles in it. The <laughs> the doggy McGinn twitch he does Jared likes that. He does it he does it fairly often. He tries to he tries to mix it up, particularly whenever it's Douglas Louise for some reason. He does it less with JJ, but he does he does do it with Douglas. 
Louise a lot whenever he's playing. Um, I I fought with Nakamba in there. That was Douglas Louise's best game of the season. I thought he was thought he was really really good up until the point he got put in to what people think is his normal position. He was he just he can't play there. He can't do it. It was a terrible decision from Gerard to to upend the team. And <laughs> sorry, I, I know I'm supposed to be in there. <laughs> <laughs> but you thought they were good today. Yeah, we'll get to those decisions afterwards. Um, yeah, I thought. I thought. I, I just thought Villa played well. Yeah, we're talking about the the chances they created there. We're talking about the way they played some ball. It was, oh, it was just good to see them bringing a game to a good team. Yeah, absolutely, and they, and they did. They did play really well. Like, yeah, we'll we'll get to the, We'll get to the bad points in a second. Uh, <laughs> they they were brilliant, and they did pass the ball around. Begin had loads of energy again. It's brilliant to see it. Douglas Louise is undoubtedly a number eight. That is just the way it is, and he's quite a good one as well. He actually fucking defends better as well from the number eight position than he does from the number six position, which yeah. is incredible. He knows how to tackle when he's out there. Maybe I'm just more forgiven of it because he should be diving in more whenever he's out there, and he just he can't help but do it when he's in the number six position. Yeah. There are times when he shouldn't, and whenever you do it out there, the decision doesn't matter as much because there's normally more players that's further up the pitch. But yeah, Douglas Louise had a great game. Until they get switched. The fullbacks are just brilliant as well. Um, I thought it was probably Lucadinha's best game of the season, or certainly one of them. He's great on the ball. He makes so many good decisions. He's tidy. So much energy, pace in attack. I don't know if he has much pace, but he was getting on a lot of loose enough balls. He's, he's, he's sprightly, anyway, I would say, in attack. He's always willing to to get on to the end of something. He's always free and you can play him a, a ropier ball and then you can play Matt Target, for example, and he'll he'll tidy it up and he'll make something of it. Really exciting, to be honest, like especially we know we've got some good options in midfield. You know, we're still working on what we're doing with this front three. We're still working on mistakes at the back and as a unit, but those fullbacks are really good. Like I, I like how they defend and I like how they attack. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're both dogged and they're both tough as well. I think that's that's the main thing. The Dina isn't particularly fast, but he is tough, so he will get there just in time. And if he doesn't, he's gonna foil the player. Um, in attack, he's brilliant. He's got so much quality on the ball. I think the last two games were his two best games. He was he was brilliant against Burnley as well. So much quality, calmness as well. Like he's he's got an amazing ball on his left foot that he can just whip in. To the box but he also he has a look as well he, he, like he's checking if there's a if there's a clever pass inside if he can whip one in on the deck he'll play it he'll see it as well he's a brilliant player and Matty Cash like I've said before has been our player of the season just needs to knock those outrageous spanks out of his game <laughs> if he wants to get paid anyway <laughs> okay you should be excited to know that this is the you like Glenn Whelan take a 90 minute penalty award <laughs> Um, but like, I'm trying to think of what way to come at this. I think the first thing to talk about is just Nakamba. We have to think we'd have to take him off. But we're playing so well the way it is. So why would he not just bring Tim on there, like for like, keep like Doggy McGinn are doing well. They're doing really well. Villa are doing well. Would you not just keep it the same because it ends up upending the team a wee bit? He's he's, he's moving Doggy out of that position, so you're losing Nakamba and Doggy you now. And now Dougie's playing in centre defensive midfield, and like that's a whole other nomination on itself, really. Like you never mind the, the straight swap that that didn't happen. It's <laughs> said it already. 
Dougie gets weird when he plays there. Like it's just so, something <laughs> different happens. It's just it's just not the same player that he that he is. No, he's he's absolutely not. He makes he makes terrible decisions time and time again, and he can't play there. He doesn't understand it. It's like it's almost not fair in him. And whenever you see him play to the right of the of a defensive midfielder, you do feel sorry for the hours and hours of recordings that we have in our back catalogue of calling him an absolutely useless cunt. But it's not necessarily his fault, Conan. He's not a number six. He's a number eight. That's just what he is. And he's a quite a good one as well. And he's a particularly useful one to have in that team as well. Yeah, it's great balance then with John McGinn and Nakamba and Dougie in the, in the one team. And it is unbelievable that he made that decision as well. And you know, you might think, oh, well, he's not going to throw Tim into that game. But he threw Chuck into that game. It's yeah. not like Chuck has got way more minutes under his belt. Not like Chuck is better able to handle a game against Liverpool than Tim is. It's, it was it was a bizarre decision, I thought, from Jared, And it didn't work out. Well, that's exactly it. And we have evidence that... that... Dougie probably isn't the best player to play in defensive midfield against Liverpool. Like we have loads of, of yeah, evidence for exactly. it. That's that's and the other thing. Yeah, like if if you're if you're worried about bringing on Tim, but you're gonna willing to bring on Chuck, that's ridiculous. But also, you should be worried about putting Dougie into centre yeah. defensive midfield. It's like it's exactly. it's mad. You've seen him do this. Sorry, you've seen him not do it, and that's <laughs> the problem. And then the I don't know if this is a bad decision. It's 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 actually more just wrapped in the in the Buendia conversation, which we don't need to keep having. Um, but are we ever going to see him in number eight? Because like he brings Chuck Wemmick on after sixty minutes, and obviously <laughs> on another podcast I'll be complaining about why aren't we trying Chuck Wemmick more often and giving him more game time? But yeah, like would we not put Buendia in there and? A lot of the good work he's doing is coming from that position. Like he's winning the ball, or he's making turns, or he's taking players out of the game and then driving forward. Um, I would just like to see him play with Philip Coutinho. And now, Gerard, so again, probably two nominations in one. Gerard said afterwards that we're, we're we're more dangerous with two number nines. I I do agree. I've said this before that the shape that Villa play with is better because you have just more options ahead of you, but. I've also said before, could we not try Buendia there as one of them and let him rotate with Coutinho or whoever else? But could we not just try him midfield first, maybe, if we do need Ings up top? And, you know, nights like tonight, I just don't know if we do need Ings up top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah, there's, there's no point in being more dangerous and creating more chances of Danny yeah. Ings just going to miss him anyway at the end of it. Look, it, it's, it's pretty obvious that Gerard wants to play Coutinho and the, and particularly the lure of playing Coutinho against his former club was far too much to resist. And we all have to remind ourselves that Buendia was brilliant the last day out against Burnley. Like I know he's been I know he's been good every time he's come on and even every time he started since Gerard took over. But so was Coutinho and like, let's get real here. He hasn't had the same heights as his first month or two, but he's but he's a fabulous player and he's Gerard's favourite. Like, we got through Together, we got through Dean Smith facilitating Ross Barkley's weekly one-man wet t-shirt competition. We can get through this. Like, <laughs> Stephen Gerrard was being blackmailed by Leon Bailey for the last two months. We can get through this. Having Philip Coutinho in our team isn't the same thing. We can get through Philip Coutinho starting games ahead of Emmy Bundia. We don't need to create a culture war out of this. <laughs> it's not. 
It's not a culture war though. I just want to see Wendell on the pitch with him. I'm not like, yeah, I, I don't want to see Coutinho. I hate when he brings Coutinho off. Like, uh, and it makes me judge Coutinho more. Like, can he not play ninety minutes? Like, I got, I don't. I want both of them on the pitch, and I want to see if it can work. And I, uh, actually, you know what? I would love to see. Uh, if it was me, I would try, try him in the middle three first, and. I'm not saying if that didn't work, but I would also be up for trying him, like try, trying him as a front three. But saying may, maybe give it to Brindia. It's like, yeah, look, look, we're 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 continuous ahead of you. He's my favorite. But if you want to make this work, you have to be an out for us up top. Maybe that's stupid. Maybe that doesn't work. I don't know. Yeah, and, and maybe we just have to accept that we've got two brilliant players that are going to have to rotate in the team, and that we can try something a little bit sillier with against against worse teams, but not against the best team in Europe. And um, I mean, it would be a big, big job to ask Buendia to play centre midfield for the first time in his career against Liverpool. That would have been, and Thiago had just come on as well at that stage. That would have been a big, big ask. Um, like, yeah, I I want to see it as well. I, I, if he's gonna, we're gonna have to go with assumption he's gonna play Ings and he's gonna play Coutinho. So it is very, very difficult to see where Coutinho gets in, or where Buendia gets in. It's not impossible, but it is gonna be less likely or less often than we'd like. He's and he's also not gonna go to the point. He's not gonna persist with Coutinho if he thinks Buendia is better than him. he won't. He won't do that. We all have to believe that. I yeah. mean, Jacob Ramsey ended up starting over Ross Barkley eventually. Yeah, you know, this, this will happen on this side as well. And that's it's funny, like you know, when I see Coutinho play so well the last game, there's not one part of me that's thinking I am thinking play him. I'm not thinking you know get Coutinho out. I'm not thinking that. Um, this isn't a Wes Hulahan v Glam Whelan type of debate or or v Jeff Henrik type of debate. But yeah, again, I, would, I just when every time I see Buendia play well, I just want to see more of it. But I I, I also always want to see Coutinho. Yeah, know. yeah. I think it's strange that people might be annoyed about it, but you know, we have Buendia and Coutinho in competition. Like you know, that's that's brilliant. Jared can try to figure out how to use both of them and how to keep one or either of them happy when we can't when he can't manage to play both of them. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's, maybe this this uh, feeling uh, is just a product of having two of your best players competing for one position when the squad isn't filled out like that. Yes, you know, so it's 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 strange. It's it's almost why <laughs> I keep making Ireland comparisons, but it's like having Seamus <laughs> Coleman and Matt Doherty, you know, where obviously they both should be playing in the team sort of thing. Um but some it, it does work now for Ireland. Right, just stop I'm gonna stop that. I'm gonna stop talking about Ireland. <laughs> but yeah, I keep thinking about Stephen Kenny's Ireland team now. <laughs> you know, but you want to really just have more competition like that across the board, yeah. And we'll probably have that after the summer. We'll probably have McGinn under serious pressure. Like, if if already as well, we're looking at playing Dougie as a number eight, and yeah, you suddenly have Louise, you have McGinn, you have Ramsey, and I think I have another number eight to join the folds as well. If my sources are telling me right, <laughs> <laughs> you'll have Nakamba and you'll have another center defensive midfielder. He wants to bring in a defender might buy an strike. Yeah, suddenly you've got competition across the board and it's not just rare seeing two of your best players going at it when everybody else isn't playing as well as them usually. Yeah, exactly. And they will be less they'll be less crying for I'm not, I'm not I'm not saying people shouldn't be crying for Bundia Bundia to play, but there'll be less people demanding Bundia plays when the rest of the team is stronger as well. Yeah. Yeah. 
The Vimin meter going up, Cash and Dina, uh, we talked about them already, you said about them being tough. The clearance at the back post that, that Matt Cash does on the line, just just unbelievable. Like Tough as old boots, takes a massive whack for it. Got it up, got it away, gets a lot of praise from his teammates. Like that's that's a warrior there. Um yeah, and, and Dina's you know, just been brilliant. Yeah. He, he came back from injury obviously quickly and he's been great on the ball. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 we talked about them that they're brilliant from that corner. What a corner that was as well. That was a set move. It's brilliant. It's not really fair though, because Liverpool are the only team in the country that can use it because the strike oh, cross Trent Alexander oh, yeah. is just fucking silly stuff. It's absolutely yeah. ridiculous that he's hit that so straight, hard and flat across the box. Incredible, and it's brilliant from the Cash. The trajectory of it was, was... Yeah. <laughs> the trajectory of the cross was... It, it's it's weird that they don't just always do that. You know, I know they've got always a score, but like, why would they not just do that all the time? It was, it's like a, a long throw they have in your arsenal because like, the ball's coming in a completely different way. Like, yeah, they, they can basically... Produce a Rory Delap trajectory <laughs> cross from from a from a trend corner. You've got this the wrong way around. Of <laughs> having a throw in that you can throw in like that is like having another corner. You know, having a corner is that like having a throw in. <laughs> um, going down, I have Kanza again. You know, I don't want to talk anymore about it. It's, it's hurt me too much. Um, going down, Danny Ings. <laughs> <laughs> Any anybody else going up or down in particular? Dougie going up maybe? Oh, Dougie's definitely going up as far as as far as I'm concerned. I, I, I it was ruined by him being yanked out of his best position, and I thought he was incredible there. I thought he was I thought he was brilliant. Number eight, I thought he was our best player up until that point. <laughs> Do you know? I'm just thinking about it now. Maybe Ming should go down for stop for stopping Manny taking a quick throw at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what Manny's thinking. Um, he's running over to try and get the ball. It's, it's injury time. Liverpool are seeing it out, and he's trying to run over ahead of of Mings to get it. And Mings rips it out of his hands, and then Joe oh, yeah, yeah. centre yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was it was mad stuff. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what either of them were playing out there. Both of them just made fools of themselves. They're just so used to thinking, "Oh, I should be fighting for this ball here, or I should be stopping this guy from trying to get on the ball because he wants to get on it." It was mad stuff from from both of them. Mings wasn't thinking properly, and neither was Keita. Um. Yeah. Any anybody else in particular that you feel strongly about? Steven Gerrard going up. I thought I thought we got the game and we got to the pitch of the game really really well tonight. Like I said, the first half was brilliant. It was it was so heartening to see, and particularly after, like I said, watching Spurs put up that piece of shit, and I was so convinced that we were going to do something similar. I thought we were going to try and dog this out because he has tried to dog games out as well, Gerard. To go at it like that, I thought it was amazing. The first three minutes, I was unbelievably excited. It was the happiest I'd been in about, in a football sense, in about two or three months. It was it was great. It was just it was so <laughs> spirit-lifting to see us actually just go out and try to try to beat them toe for toe. No, it was, it was. It was largely, like, I know we've picked apart a lot of stuff there, and um, but it was largely a very good performance, definitely a very good tactical performance, and I do think we're seeing good signs now, along with the Leicester draw, two wins, good performance, and I think that is a good run of games there now, so hopefully they can finish the season well. I'll be feeling a lot better about a, a big transfer budget in the summer. Um, yeah, if we can keep this going, because this is the sort of trajectory that you want to see. 
And on that, questions we can't answer, but probably will. 20 million for Philip Coutinho isn't half bad, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. Like, yeah. And like, Jared's the type of fellow that gets annoyed when he opens the fridge looking for food and all he has is ingredients. He's he's not getting inventive here, Conan. He's he's coming for <laughs> takeaway. He wants the finished product. He's not fucking wasting any time in the kitchen. <laughs> I don't know, yeah, the wages are likely to be high, but I don't think there's anyone on that squad that's going to be looking at Coutinho's salary and thinking, why is he getting paid so much? I mean, yeah. the answer's pretty simple anyway. Because he's Coutinho, you're Bertrand Trory. You'd rather <laughs> be making a living doing tricks on Grafton Street. You'd make a bloody fortune, by the way, but, you know, calm down, Philip Coutinho's allowed to get higher wages than you. <laughs> the, the fee's going to make it close to a no-brainer, as close to a no-brainer as possible. If you're going to sign Philip Coutinho with enough change left over, to buy John McGinn for the same fee we spent on Wesley. Like I, I've got, I've got thirty euro and fifty cent in my wallet. I wouldn't give you that. I, I wouldn't give you my library card for Wesley. <laughs> I, I don't even use it, Conan. The library that issue it doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> and, I, and I know justify justify signing justifying a signing with reference to a shit signing doesn't really make any sense, but. It's not like I played the Sama gold card here either. <laughs> I mean, the, the value of those two transfers are going to be pretty fucking close, and that's laughable. It's It'll be an amazing signing for me. What would you have to be given to take Sama gold? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's no money in the world, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, well, we, uh, just a quick detour. We didn't didn't get to see much of Bertie T today, did we? Just slow cooking there in the, in the background. <laughs> yeah, he had one moment where he tried to get a ball under control and failed, and that was about all I can remember. Yeah, yeah, great, great, great day of bike. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they continue that you're you're so right about nobody. Nobody is going to kick off us. They all look up to him. I think they all revere him almost definitely I'll respect him I think they love having him around I think they know it's a big signing they know it's it's making the team and the club look better it's putting them on a higher standing they know he's creating so much when they are playing and I think he is also because it is Coutinho he's part of the reason for that great response of Buendia's that you're talking about when he got dropped like I think he gets that it's Coutinho as well. I think he like these boys all love Coutinho. I mean, Martinez was talking about straight away, you know, trying to sort of butter him up and make him love the place and fit, fit in, and you know, and taking him out bowling with the the rest of the South Americans. Like they are, they are very fond of this boy. Seems to be personally as well. He looks great when he go to Cheltenham. It's um, yeah, I, I I think it's just one of those signings that everybody. It, it's it's basically. The Aston Villa equivalent of Ronaldo in the changing room. Everybody just they, they, they let Ronaldo do what he wants because what he does is, is fucking amazing and they, they all look up to him. They're all almost overawed by him. Like it's it's not at that level, obviously, but it is maybe for Aston Villa. Yeah, yeah. And he he doesn't he, he seems to be a decent lad. He's trying hard in every game. It didn't hasn't worked out for him tonight. Hasn't been at his brilliant best the last couple of weeks, but like, I mean, he's, he's still got three goals and, f- and four assists in 15 games or something. Like, that's that's a lot for a midfielder for Aston Villa over mm. the years. And he's had a lot of people fuck up big chances that he's created as well. So, you know, if we're looking at it from a purely numbers point of view, he has been effective. 
and he has been a fucking joy to watch as well. Second questions we can't answer, but probably will. Does Pep Guardiola have no shame? This boy, like the, you already once said he couldn't make a two hundred million pound defense work, so he convinced his owners to go and spend another two hundred million on another back four. <laughs> and here we are, fresh off the back of buying one of the most exciting players in the Premier League and one of England's best players in current form or in recent years. Certainly, their 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 hottest property in terms of uh, rights and image and everything else that goes with being a class player. He, t- he bought him for hundred million, done fuck all with him, and now he just needs to go spend another hundred million on the best young player in football, apart from Mbappe. <laughs> um, and he's not even like calling me young player. Sounds it sounds absolutely stupid. One of the best players in football. They're buying Erling Haaland because. I don't know, maybe their squad just isn't big enough. <laughs> yeah, there's probably a broader point here with the media and people who get paid to talk about football because they used to kick a ball around as well. Um, the, how many times have you heard them say City need a centre-forward? I'll give yeah. you a clue. It's every fucking game, and it's immediately after he missed their first chance, and it <laughs> persists until one of the other eight attacking players he spent 30 to 100 million on score. Because they always score. They score more than two and a half goals a game on average. And when City score, again, the commentators, they'll, they'll stop talking about it until the very next game. <laughs> so they, they, they've seen Man City score. They know they've won the title. They've also seen them play. Like They've, they've been given so many ways to see Man City don't need a centre forward. But, you know, yeah. despite the saying, blind squirrels never find fucking nuts, even if you throw <laughs> them at their fucking heads. But it's... <laughs> But isn't it great now that the media have gotten what they want? Man City can add the best young centre-forward in South America and the best young centre-forward in the world to Foden, <laughs> Grealish, Mares, Sterling, Silva, Gondoyan, De Bruyne and Jesus. So that's good. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad we got that sorted. Now, now Pep can compete on a level playing field. Like Maybe next year he can go toe-to-toe with Asensio, Rodrigo, Vinicius and Benzema. <laughs> Like a part of me wonders, does, does he not want to do this without being doped to this extent? Surely he has enough. Is <laughs> enough about him? Like surely he has enough respect for himself. Surely he has enough confidence in what he does and what he has done that to, to not want to do. Like the thing is, the thing that gets thrown at him that obviously probably annoys him now is that you know he couldn't win the Champions League without Messi. Still hasn't. This is going to be one of the longest runs if he does win it again. Longest runs of a manager winning it from not having won it, or, or from the last time he won it. Yeah. But he, he, he can't. He, no, he can't do it about Haaland. No, is all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> he can't do it about having five, sixty million plus attackers on the bench outside of the players that he gets to play. I guess that's the thing about Grealish. You know, Pep is eventually going to play Grealish a bit more. Grealish is eventually going to do some good things at Man City, and when he does. We're all just going to have to listen to the English media and football journalists talk about how Pep has helped them to relearn football. Like that's 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 something we're going to have to put up with. But all that's really happened it's not that Grealish has learned a new way or he now knows the Pep way, the way Mares and Cancelo did. All that's going to happen, and all that did happen with those two boys, is that Pep had the luxury of fucking around 
and not playing them because he already had a team that he that he was playing, and he's just going to drop Grealish into that, and he's going to do good stuff the same way Mares did. He's not he's not to teach Grealish anything. Like Grealish is going to end up doing things that he was already doing for a way worse team, and that he was already doing for England. And that <laughs> well, no, no, in fairness, we're going off track now as well. But this is this is the embarrassment of riches he has. He can just leave out whoever he wants. Sterling, Gundogan, Grealish. Like these boys don't get a look in. I heard. One of the commentators talk about him against Real Madrid as well. Ironically, he just mentioned their attack and the attack that undone them. I heard one of the commentators say he doesn't have anything on the bench. <laughs> there they are bringing on Grealish and Sterling, England's two best players of the year. It like it's ah, it's 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 depressing. Really, and the, the most depressing thing about it all is that all those players you named still nobody gives one single fuck about Man City. I I, I don't think. If it's going to be a bit harder, I think, for Newcastle to go as far as Man City have gone, it'll get pretty close. But if, if it was Newcastle back then, uh, who Abu Dhabi took over, I think there would be a bit more buzz and interest around this team. If it was all the exact same teams and it was Pep and it was all these players coming in, I think it would be way more interesting and way more exciting. But yeah, just nobody cares about Man City. Like, that's, that's the reality. It is a reality, and it's it's all despite and in spite of how desperate Sky are to make to make it the case that people do care about them to build them up as this you know great footballing force, and obviously they are because they're financially doped. They're a brilliant, brilliant team because they've collected all those players that we've talked about. But it is just the case that nobody gives a flying <laughs> about a club that was formed twelve years ago. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we'll leave it at that. Um, Sunday game next, I think. No holidays planned. So uh, <laughs> we'll see how we get on. Um, thanks a million for listening. Thanks a million for all the comments. Always appreciate them. Um, yeah, please share the podcast on and subscribe wherever you're at. And uh, yeah, we'll chat to you after the next match. All the best. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 